Good morning, fellow Christians, friends, neighbors, believers, non-believers, seekers into knowledge about God, whoever you may be. Welcome to another glorious day in God's creation. I'm John Kowalski, and this is Rise Up, a podcast about the world from a Christian worldview. Um, Today, I want to talk about a little bit of a complicated subject. I want to talk about progressive progressive Christianity. Um, There's been a lot of talk these days about what it means and, you know, what's the difference and, you know, why there is such an argument between uh, progressive Christians and who they refer to us as conventional Christians. Um, So I want to go through this a little bit and I want to explain what progressive Christianity really is. Uh, I want to explain it from their own words. I am a firm believer, whether it's in politics, life, friendship, relationship, church, anywhere, and especially here, if they tell you who they are, believe them. Okay, so I'm going to let progressive Christians tell you who they are in their own words uh, throughout this and the the next podcast. I think it's going to be at least two uh, podcasts to get through all of this uh, for you. But I want you to hear it in their own words. This isn't just me making stuff up or my beliefs or what I think of them. This mostly is from their own website progressivechristianity.org and resources that their website leads you to, okay? So I'm going to start by defining it a little bit. I'm going to explain what it is. Uh, I'm going to explain what the tenets, they have eight tenets that they believe. I'm going to explain to you what those are. I'm going to just tell you what those are. Then I'm going to delve deeper into them and I'm going to apply the Bible. I will tell you that I find very little reference to the Bible. There is some reference on their website to apocryphal books, um, but not a lot of reference to the Bible itself. Um, So I think if that's our starting point, we kind of know where this is going. Uh, But I'm going to go there anyway, because a lot of you are being swayed by the activities of progressive Christians. Uh, what they do is not necessarily what they believe. Um, so we're going to get into that. Uh, first of all, I want to assure you that I am not attacking or judging individuals here. I am, however, questioning whether the worldview outlined by the proponents of progressive, progressive Christianity is even biblical. Uh, I am and will always be skeptical of any adjective added to the name of Jesus by mankind, okay? Uh, You can't call yourself a Christian and not be a Christian. Um, You absolutely can call yourself a Christian if you are a follower of Christ. So let's find out. Are they, are progressive Christians actually following Christ? Are they Christians? Uh, And if they're not, what are they? Uh, I'm going to give you a few quotes from the Bible because... Everything I say is backed up by stuff I've read in the Bible, things I've read in the Bible, learned in the Bible, learned in classes, whatever. Um, 
but it's it's from the Bible, and you can refer to these and and for yourself and see that I'm not just making this stuff up. Okay, Jesus Himself said, "Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree." bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. That's Matthew 7, 15 through 20. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 11, 13 to 15, it is said, For such men are false prophets, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their deeds. Not a good end for those who are thinking they're fooling God. They may fool us if we let them, but they're not fooling God. Um, and then finally, Second Peter 3, 14 to 18 says, So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes in the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which is which ignorant and unstable people distort and they do as they do other scriptures to their own destruction therefore dear friends since you have been forewarned be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position but grow in the grace of knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Um, all right. Uh, progressive, progressive Christianity, I'm going to define it in their words, okay? They're, they have on their website an about the movement statement, and it says, progressive Christianity is an open, intelligent, and collaborative approach to the Christian tradition and the life and teachings of Jesus that creates a pathway into an authentic and relevant religious experience. We know Jesus didn't come here to give us a religious experience. He came here to give us salvation. Okay? Uh, and I'll get into that more later on uh, in probably the next podcast, but we'll talk more about salvation and some of those other topics that, and whether or not they're even part of progressive Christianity's belief structure. Um, next, I want to talk about their About Us statement on their website. They have an About Us, and it states, We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization that offers thoughtful and practical resources for individuals, families, and communities to explore and affect progressive Christianity, spirituality, community life, social and environmental justice. There it is. It's there too, right? Wherever you find progressive, you find social and environmental justice. Okay. Now, is that in and of itself a bad thing? No. 
We want to help the poor. We have, since the very first person in the very first Christian church in Jerusalem, we have been helping the poor, the orphans, the widows, everyone that needed help, we have helped uh, through the Christian church. Um, This is not the point at which we diverge uh, from progressives, but social and environmental justice cannot be put before the gospel. What good is it to save a person's life on earth if they have no future? Our work should be eternal. Now, can we do both? Can we help people in poor social conditions? Can we fix environmental mistakes that we've made as humanity? Of course we can. But we cannot do it at the expense of our eternal souls. Um, I'm going to go over the tenets of progressive Christianity. There are eight of them. I'm going to read them to you, and then we'll delve deeper into them. Number one, believe that following the path of the teacher Jesus can lead to healing and wholeness, a mystical connection to God, as well as an awareness and experience of not only the sacred, but the oneness and unity of all life. Um, I'm going to just go on. I'm not going to dig into these right now. I'm going to do that in the next segment. Um, Number two, affirm that the teachings of Jesus provide but one of many ways to experience God, the sacredness, oneness, and unity of life, and that we can draw from diverse sources of wisdom, including earth, in our spiritual journey. I'm going to leave it. I'll dig in later. Uh, Number three, seek and create community that is inclusive of all people, including, but not limited to, conventional Christians and questioning skeptics, believers and agnostics, those of all races, cultures, and nationalities, and those of all sexual orientations and gender identities. Okay? Uh, Number four. Uh, Know the way we behave toward one another and the earth is the fullest extension expression of what we believe. Therefore, we vow to walk as Jesus might have walked in this world with radical compassion, inclusion, and bravery to confront and positively change the injustices we experience as well as those we see others experiencing. Okay? Number five. Find grace in the search for understanding and believe there is more value in questioning with an open mind and an open heart than in absolutes or dogma. Uh, And number six, work toward peace and justice among all people and all life on earth. I'm going to leave it at those six, and I will get to seven and eight on, on the next, probably on the next podcast. So I, I'm, I want to go back and I want to dig in. So we've already discussed six of them. We're going to go back to number one, uh, and, and start there. Okay. Believe actually, let me take a quick break and then I'll come back and we'll delve into a few of these and then I'll leave the rest for the next podcast. I will be right back. Mm-hmm. 
right, everybody, I am back, and now I'm ready to start to discuss these and break down these tenets of progressive Christianity. We're going to start with the first one. Uh, I'm going to refresh your memory. Believe that the that following the path of the teacher Jesus can lead to healing and wholeness, a mystical connection to God, as well as awareness and experience of not only the sacred, but the oneness and unity of all life. Okay. I'm going to start with a quote from C.S. Lewis because I love C.S. Lewis. Um, He was uh, uh, not a Christian. He was not a believer. And he late in his life uh, found Christianity and, and believed and turned his life over to God. He wrote in a book called Mere Christianity. And if you have not read this book, find time. Read it slowly. It's kind of hard to understand. His language is very different than ours. Uh, But it is understandable. And it's a book that will change the way you even look maybe at your own Christianity and the way that you pursue it. Uh, So in Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis said, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, meaning Christ that I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't expect accept his claim to be God. That is one of the things we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left this open to us. He did not intend to. Uh, pretty wise words, uh, and I'm touched by them every time that I read them. So let's dig in back into this definition or this tenet, right? They talk about that teacher Jesus, and and I think C.S. Lewis answered that very well. Um, this mystical connection to God, I don't even know what that means. What's mysticism versus spirituality? Uh, Colossians 2.8 says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. I think that's what they're talking about here is exactly what we're warned against in Colossians. Uh, Leviticus 26 says, not 26, 26. um, If A person turns to mediums and necromancers, pouring after them. I will set my face against that person and will cut him off from among his people. Uh, And and spirituality in and of itself isn't even enough. James 2.19 says, You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. So, is it enough to just believe there's a God? I don't think so. I I know it's not. 
okay? They talk about later in this uh, definition, sacred, right? They talk about not only the sacred, but the oneness and unity of all life. Sacred, but the oneness and unity of all life. What does that even mean? It's pretty words meaning nothing, which is very common in progressivism. Um, and, and I'm sorry, guys, but progressive Christianity is another form of progressivism. It's the same as progressives in politics. It's the same as progressives in other forms uh, of culture. Um, it's the same thing. And they keep telling us it is by using this type of terminology. Uh, Jews, Christians, and others have always been and are still being persecuted in the world, right? If all life is sacred, explain abortion, which many progressive Christians argue is within the teachings of Jesus. I don't even want to know how they think this. Uh, obviously, it's not by reading a Bible. Um, Reverend Warnock, who is one of the people running for the Georgia Senate seats in the runoff next month, believes this. He's a reverend, and he preaches that abortion is biblical. Um, the Equality Act is another great example, right? It's pretty words. Everybody believes in equality. You can't go in public and say, I don't agree. People shouldn't be equal. You don't say that, and you don't really see people saying that. Maybe crazy people, but not anybody worth listening to. Um, but we talked about the Equality Act before, and because of this discussion, I'm going to delve into it a little more deeply. Um, the Equality Act, according to the Heritage Foundation, in an article called Five Groups That Will Be Harmed If the Equality Act Becomes Law, um, says that one, the Equality Act would force employers and workers to conform to new sexual norms or else lose their businesses and or their jobs. Two, the Equality Act would force hospitals and insurers to provide and pay for these therapies against any moral or medical objections. It would politicize medicine, forcing professionals to act against their best medical judgment and provide transition-affirming therapies. Three, the politi pol politicization of medicine would ultimately harm families by normalizing hormonal and surgical interventions for gender dysphoric children, as well as ideological education in schools and other public venues. What they mean there is the Equality Act would further normalize this radical protocol and create an expectation that parents comply. And not only just an expectation, it would be law. In fact, parents in Ohio already, and this isn't even passed, uh, the Equality Act, the, the House of Representatives passed it, but the Senate has not. Um, parents in Ohio lost custody of their 17-year-old daughter because they declined to put her on testosterone supplements. The number four, the Equality Act would ultimately lead to the erasure of women by dismantling sex-specific facilities, sports, and other female-only spaces. Sexual orientation and gender identity laws will open sex-specific facilities like bathrooms, locker rooms, etc. to members of the opposite sex, enabling predators to have unprecedented access to their targets. Number five, uh, the Equality Act would also hurt charities, volunteers, and populations that they serve. State and local 
uh, sexual orientation and gender identity laws have shut down numerous faith-based adoption and foster care agencies across the country already in Pennsylvania, New York, Illinois, California, Massachusetts, and the District of Columbia. Sound like a familiar list of suspects there uh, with the states involved? Um, Kayla uh, Kozlowski, I should be able to pronounce that one, shouldn't I? Kayla Kozlowski uh, in Christian Headlines wrote four things that Christians should know about the Equality Act in May of 2019. Uh, If the Equality Act passes, churches will no longer be able to hire somebody based on their beliefs. What this means is that the church could not deny hiring somebody because they're an atheist or because they have a life contradictory to the church's beliefs, uh, repealing the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 1993, which was signed by Bill Clinton, of all people. Uh, If enacted, number two, the Equality Act will prevent religious people from denying a service, employment, housing, or public accommodation, among other things, to LGBT persons even though homosexuality contradicts their religious beliefs. Remember the bakers in Colorado who uh, were run out of business because they didn't want to make a cake for a gay wedding. Um, This will become law. Uh, They were run out of business not because they were found guilty of anything, but because it bankrupted them. The Equality Act is seeking to make gender identity a covered category under the Civil Rights Act. By doing this, uh, the protected category of sex is being eliminated. This means that all of the strides women have made in society to advance women's rights and protections are going out the window. Uh, Number four, it will also hinder parents' authority over their children. It will force doctors to ignore parents' wishes and give kids no matter the age, transgender operations and puberty blockers if the child asks for it. Remember when Biden said on the uh, town hall, when they when they did the two split town halls and Biden was on one channel and Trump was on the other? Remember when Biden said he thought an eight-year-old should be able to transition uh, if they wanted to? Well, there it is. It will be law. Uh, The House passed this act in 2019, as I mentioned, but the Senate did not, uh, but certainly will if those two seats in Georgia are lost on January 5th. They've said they will, okay? Uh, We should believe them. Uh, Number two, the second tenet of uh, progressive Christianity is affirm that the teachings of Jesus provide but what one of many ways to experience God, the sacredness, oneness, and unity of life, and that we can draw from diverse sources of wisdom, including the earth, in our spiritual journey. All right, let's break this down, because this one is horrific. Uh, I can't even believe that somebody claiming to be a Christian can claim this. Um, But one of many ways to experience God. Okay, let's take that one first. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Okay, and I mean, that's pretty obvious, right? They're saying the exact opposite of what Jesus is saying, yet they're claiming 
to be Christian, followers of Christ. They're, they're not. We should believe them. Um, after that, we see that sacredness, oneness, and unity of life statement again. This is brainwashing at work, right? They keep saying it, they keep saying it, they keep saying it. CNN says it, The View says it, uh, Late Night TV says it, and pretty soon everybody's saying it, right? Um, this is how they work. They work in sound bites that infiltrate your life. It's like that brain worm song that you can't get out of your head. Um, I still don't know what it means, but it sounds a lot like conforming to this world at the expense of reward in the next. Um, sacredness, oneness, and unity of life, right? It, it doesn't make sense, guys. We can't trade temporal reward in this world for eternal reward. Um, the next part of that statement, draw from diverse sources of wisdom. Proverbs 15.33 says, The fear of the Lord is the instruction for the wisdom, and before honor comes humility. It's not about us. It's about the Word of God. The Bible. This is not biblical. This is not a biblical statement drawing from diverse sources of wisdom. James 3.17 says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering and without hypocrisy. Proverbs again, 2, 3 through 6. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. The her is wisdom. Right? In Proverbs, wisdom is written about as, as a female character, as a female person uh, or persona of wisdom itself. Uh, the, uh, they talk about these diverse sources of wisdom, including the earth, which they even capitalize as if it's sentient. And I guess you can capitalize it also if it's a proper name. I get that, but it, I question it in the context that they're using it. Isaiah in 44, 14 through 18 says, he cuts down cedars or he chooses a cypress tree or an oak and lets it grow among the uh, trees of the forest. He plants a cedar, then the rain nourishes it, then it becomes fuel for man. He takes a part of it and he warms himself. He kindles a fire and bakes bread. Also, he makes a god and worships it. He makes it an idol and falls down before it. Half of it he burns in the fire. Over the half he burns, he eats meat. He roasts it and is satisfied. Also, he warms himself and says, Aha, I am warm, I have seen the fire. And the rest of it he makes into a god, his idol, and falls down and worships it. He prays to it and says, Deliver me, for you are my god. They know not, nor do they discern, for he has shut their eyes so they cannot see, and their hearts so they cannot understand. This is pure and simple idolatry. It's the worshiping of the creation over the creator. And that is just not biblical. I'm going to give you a minute. I'm going to take a quick break. 
I'm going to give you a minute to think on that, and then we'll continue uh, with one more sec- segment. I'll get a couple more of these in, and then we'll finish up with this on the next podcast. I will be right back. All right, everybody. I am back. We're going to do one more segment, uh, a couple more of these tenets, and then uh, I'm going to leave the rest for the next podcast. Um, All right, we were on number three. Uh, And number three was seek and create community that is inclusive of all people, including but not limited to conventional Christians and questioning skeptics, believers and agnostics, those of all races, cultures, and nationalities, and those of all sexual orientations and all gender identities. Uh, I'm going to break this one down, okay? Inclusive of all people, of course. Christianity is inclusive of all people. Jesus made that quite clear in Acts 1 through 8 when he said to uh, go to Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria and then all of the world. Um, He made it clear throughout his life during his ministry when he evangelized to the woman at the well uh, and, and, and many other non-Jewish people during his lifetime and on uh, with the apostles through the book of Acts and, and on through history, right? So we know that inclusive of all people is uh, biblical, uh, but Notice they call conventional Christians, Bible-following Christians, conventional, uh, as if we're less than they are, right? Conventional is not uh, a word of affirmation. It's not a compliment. Um, When you call something conventional, you're calling it old or outdated or that your way is better. Um, They separate conventional Christians Uh, in this way, as if actual followers of Christ are lesser Christians. Um, They then mention believers and agnostics. There's nothing wrong there. We do want to give the gospel to believers and agnostics. Believers don't really need it. I would assume they've already heard it and agree and uh, and surrendered to it. Um, But agnostics uh, haven't and should hear the gospel, right? Um, And we should accept them, even in their lack of faith, so that we have the opportunity for them to hear the gospel and make their choice. Um, They then mentioned those of all races, uh, cultures, and nationalities. Yes, again, as it should be, with the intent of sharing the gospel, right? Um, The last one, those of all sexual orientations and gender identities. I still agree. We should always accept the sinner, but not condone the sin. But as you can see uh, from the Equality Act above, they don't really want inclusion. They want control. Uh, They want LGBT pastors in Christian churches. Uh, There are already denominations who accept this, so there is no reason to force them on churches that don't accept these beliefs. Start your own church, start your own religion, um, or join one of the ones who have caved into this, um, but 
don't force it upon others. It, it violates the First Amendment of freedom of religion. Um, this is government telling us how to practice religion, and that's exactly what's forbidden in the First Amendment. Um, sexual orientation, let's talk about that a little bit. Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11 Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the king of, kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Remember that verse uh, later on in, this ne- in the next uh, podcast because they, they don't agree that we are, have salvation or that we even need it. Um, So in that way, they are the antithesis of a Christian. Um, And if you live in your sin and have no way of salvation, then what is your future? Okay, what future are they saying that people that follow them down this progressive Christian road are going to have? Um, And I don't think that they do say that. Everything I've read and I don't... I don't consider myself the ultimate scholar on this, but I did read a bunch of stuff to prepare for this. And there is no plan for salvation. It seems like everything they're doing is to make the world a better place, which is good, but it's not enough. This world is not our home. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. We should make the best of the world that we live in. We should try to help people at every opportunity uh, that we can in this world. But our reward is not here. Our reward cannot be here. Okay? Next, I want to briefly discuss gender identity in the Bible. Okay? Notice I'm not really putting my own slant on any of this. I'm reading you Bible verses. Um, I believe that, that these... Um, sexual orientation and gender identity. This is a mental thing. It's a thought process thing. It's not a physical thing. Okay, there are two genders physically. Science says there are two genders. Um, What you feel like or think like or believe in your head that you are, that's a different issue. And we shouldn't treat that issue of the mind physically. We should be treating the the issue itself we shouldn't be changing our bodies to conform to our minds we should be trying to figure out why our mind is going there okay so let's go back to gender identity in the bible and get off what i believe um genesis 2 7 says then the lord god formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature. Genesis 2:22 then says, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman 
and brought her to the man. Uh, Jeremiah 1.5, centuries later, uh, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. We were known before we were born. God knew who was going to be a man and who was going to be a woman before we were born. The world is twisting our minds to make us believe things that are not in evidence. There are people arguing scientific evidence that there are more than one or more than two genders. Uh, and, And they call themselves scientists and they call us rubes that don't believe science um and then uh lastly uh those of all classes uh and abilities uh is included in this uh tenet this third tenet uh the bible taught that class and stature were irrelevant that we were to live in Jesus' teachings, no matter who we were or what our job was. Ephesians 6.5 says, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. A a lot of uh, agnostics and atheists claim that this is God or it's the Bible justifying slavery in it. It really isn't. It's not saying that, that the condition of slavery is right it's saying that even if you are a slave in this life you can be saved in the next Um, it doesn't matter what our job is we are citizens of the kingdom of god Um, somebody may have been put into slavery for a reason look at joseph in the bible right joseph was sold into slavery Uh, by his own brothers, right? He was a child trafficked. Um, Maybe the first example of it, probably not. In a very fallen world, uh, he was definitely not the first example of it, but he rose up through that slavery. Daniel did the same thing uh, when uh, Judah fell to Babylon and Jerusalem fell, right? He went and he did the job that he was there to do, but never gave up on God always prayed to God and converted people to God uh, through that as Joseph saved his whole family and the nation of Israel uh, through his enslavement. Uh, Romans 13, 1 says, Let every person be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Right? Our government is who they are, and that's who we've been given. We are to live in the kingdom of God in America, okay? How we do that, it's not easy sometimes uh, with culture and entertainment and everything fighting against us. Um, It's not easy, but we can do it. Um, And then those who are historically marginalized are also part of this. The Jews and Christians were as marginalized and persecuted as anyone in history. Okay, maybe not in our country, um, but look at the history of Christianity, the history of uh, the Jews, right? No matter who is in charge, someone is marginalized, right? 
The gospel is all-inclusive. There are no rules for membership except confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Okay? There is no color, race, gender, uh, identity. None of that matters to the salvation of your soul. All creatures and plant life were the the final piece of this um, third tenet. All creatures and plant life. Um, I'm sorry I get a chuckle at that because we cherish creatures and plant life but not unborn children. It's illegal to destroy the egg of an endangered animal, but a woman can abort a baby. In some states, up to birth for no other reason than inconvenience. And I know you're going to hear it's medically needed to save the mother and blah, blah, blah. It's less than 1%, people. Don't let let yourselves be fooled. Google search it. It's less than 1% of abortions are are performed for medical necessity. It's all about convenience. The company that is performing those abortions can then harvest the parts for scientific use which may or may not, and I haven't done the research yet, may or may not have been used in the vaccines that they're telling you all to take for COVID. Um, So do some research before you accept that shot. Um, I'm going to do one more. I know I'm running a little bit long, but I feel like it's important to try to get this into two... um, Podcasts and maybe the next one will be a little shorter. Uh, so number four, know that the way that we behave toward one another and the earth is the fullest ex- expression of what we believe. Therefore, we vow to walk as Jesus might have walked in this world with radical compassion, inclusion, and bravery to confront and positively change the injustices we experience as well as those we see others experiencing. Again, At best, this is a complete misunderstanding of Jesus. And at worst, it's a total misrepresentation of who Jesus said he was. Matthew 10, 34-39 says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set man against his father, and daughter against her mother, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. That's convicting, isn't it? It's convicting and it's hard. Those of you who are parents, can, uh, do you love Jesus more than you love your own children? We have to. If we don't love Jesus more than we love our own children, how do we help them to love Jesus more than their own children? How? Radical inclusion to Jesus was that the gospel was open to all. The Jews assumed that Messiah was coming to save them from Rome. Jesus actually came to save all of the world's people from themselves, from our own sin. He had no interest in overthrowing Rome. It was unnecessary. Rome would overthrow itself, just as these people 
will overthrow themselves. We have to be smart enough to see through their rhetoric. Jesus healed those who were suffering in their sin. He forgave their sins and healed their bodies and told them to sin no more. Jesus did not confront political injustices except to tell us to love each other as ourselves. If we live that love, if every person on earth loved others as they love themselves, then we would not have the persecution and and the ridiculous behavior that we have in this world. He knew that not everyone would believe him, and he encouraged those who were oppressed to focus on the eternal by helping each other and storing treasure in heaven where it matters. All right, guys, that's four of the eight tenets of progressive Christianity. I'm sorry I get riled up when I talk about this stuff a little bit. Um, It's very scary to me that we have wolves in sheep's clothing infiltrating us. Um, They've infiltrated politics. They've infiltrated culture. They've infiltrated entertainment and sports. Um, And now they're coming after Christianity and and they're, they're wolves and they're taking a sheep disguise in the form of Christianity and putting it over themselves and hoping that we all follow them back to the den. Um, Don't be fooled, friends. Don't don't be fooled. Do some research. Check me on this. Every word I have said is either from the Bible or from progressivechristianity.org, their own website. I'm going to end it there. I'm going to wish all of you a very Merry Christmas. Uh, I love all of you. I hope that you're doing everything that you can do to keep Christ in Christmas this year. It's been a rough year. It's almost over. And we can hope in the name of Jesus that 2021 is a better year than 2020. But either way, we still have Christ. We still have the kingdom of God. So rise up and we'll see you next time.